Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bwery, and as always, I'm with the creator of The Tempo Project, Dr. Lucy Jones. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our supporters who help underwrite the work of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Their support allows us to serve even more communities through this podcast and the many other projects we undertake. So now, let's get to it. For the past year and a half, through the Lucy Jones Center, Lucy, you and I have been working with a team of people on a unique project that some might wonder why you, a seismologist, are leading. The Tempo Project is an international collaboration that brings together climate scientists and engineers, social scientists, and musicians to explore the ways in which music can be used to change the emotional climate about climate change. It's not what people think of when they think of you and the work you do around disasters. But those of us who know you know that it's very much aligned with your expertise. So Lucy, why are you leading this project? Why did you say this is something that's important to do? First, I have come to realize that what is coming from climate change will dwarf anything that's going to happen from earthquakes. I just can't justify talking about earthquake safety if we're going to ignore climate change. An earthquake, bad earthquake might really affect 7 million people. And climate change is going to affect the whole world. We got 7 billion people that are really going to be affected by this. As one of our tempo participants, Paul Slovic, says often, emotions do arithmetic very poorly. And the fact that we are going to affect so many more people doesn't make us that much more afraid or involved in the project. So we have to find other ways for getting people to get engaged on the climate problem. How did this come about? For those who listen to every episode of the podcast thus far, we'll know that back in episode 29, we did talk about music and you actually wrote a piece around climate change a couple of years ago because you are a musician, Lucy. We've talked about how the fact that one of the things you do is play and write music. What's the history of this project? All of these things come together in mysterious ways, I'd say. I have played the viola da gamba for many years. Back in 2013, I got the idea of trying to use the temperature data, which some other people had converted to musical pitch, as a way of helping people hear how much the temperature has been rising. But of course, that data turned into notes isn't music. It's just a random collection of notes. I ended up creating a piece for four violas da gamba that uses the temperature data as one of the lines, but then creates music around it. And I did this for myself. It was going back to composition that I hadn't done since college. But once I got it done and I asked some friends to help me play it so I could hear it and then, of course, modified it, I found that there was a lot of interest and it ended up growing and we ended up making a nice production of it out through YouTube and got people to listen to it. So I discovered there was this much broader interest that really compelled people when you put the music in with the science. And of course, plenty of other people are doing that. There are several projects out there bringing scientists and musicians together. But you've created a new kind of project that involves social scientists as well, that's sort of another branch of the sciences. Why tackle it in this way? Well, this is because of what I came to understand about how people see risk through explaining earthquake issues. And then, of course, I discovered this whole field of psychology that studied this with people like Paul Slovic, who I mentioned. And recognizing that the impediments to action are not about logic, they're about emotion. 
Paul came up with this model of how people process risk, where he says that there's two parallel processing systems. We have the analytical approach that a scientist and engineers take, where we calculate out risk. It's a process that takes time and a lot of intellectual engagement. Human beings wouldn't survive if that's the only way we process risk. We have an emotional system that was evolved to deal with predators attacking us as we deal with all the other risks that we face during our evolutionary process. So that affective emotion-based system is very rapid and allows us to move to safety. It's where fear interacts with us, and it has to be engaged for us to be willing to act. The analytical system alone gives us data. It doesn't give us the incentive to move. So we have to get into our emotional side of things. With all that approach and the work you put into creating it, what is that project? Can you describe to our listeners what it means to have all the different dialogues that are coming and all the different aspects of this project, again, that are international, right? We've got partners in Japan, we have partners in South America, partners in Europe. Tell us about what is the project? We are trying to create a situation in which there's real exchange of information and ideas and approaches between these different disciplines. So we began with a charrette process where we have sort of a core group from these three different disciplines that we're able to explore what the issues are and try to frame out what are the most important messages that need to go through. And this year, we're now moving into a situation where we're trying to really engage with way more musicians and start trying to share the information so that we can get compositions, get new songs, get new music that recognizes this input from the social scientists. What is that input? What makes it different? What can social scientists tell a composer or a musician that makes their music different in the way that they create it? Right. So we begin from this principle that emotions have to be engaged. And of course, that's why we turn to musicians. They know how to evoke emotions. But which emotion is evoked matters a lot. And I think is really part of why we are struggling to address this risk that's imperiling humanity and we somehow can't get focused on it. If you look at the impact of different emotions on actions, we start being able to see why. We've explored a variety of emotions, we sort of came in and started talking about five of them. Our first reaction to the fact that we're destroying the planet can be grief, grieving that we have done such damage to the planet. And it's a place where we probably have to be. We have to acknowledge that there's a problem. But if you stay at that place of grief, that leads to despondency and despair and apathy. Because if you don't believe that your actions can make a difference, you're not going to move to act. So the most important thing is we have to give people the feeling of efficacy. We have to believe that actions will make a difference. Now, the other emotion that you might get to is fear. You know, we should be afraid of what's coming from this. And on a short term, fear is a very effective motivator of action. It's where we evolved it from, that predator coming at us, we better act quickly. The problem with fear, we don't like experiencing it. So on the short term, we act to remove it. On the long term, It's very hard to act to remove our sense of fear of what climate change is doing. The other way we cannot feel afraid then is to just not think about it. And so fear can very easily lead to denial. As scientists, we often come in and say, we just need to give them more information. Let's show them just how bad it's going to be. If you understand just what that earthquake is going to do, you know, you're going to act. Well, no, you might end up deciding to not think about it because it's too scary. This is a lot of what we're seeing with climate denialism. 
is we're really too afraid to think about it. And the way to deal with it emotionally is block it out. So you've got grief and fear, these very sort of, if I could say negative emotions. I'm just guessing, and because I know, tell us about the ones that actually make a difference. So there we're looking at anger, hope, and pride. Anger is another place that it's pretty easy to get to on climate change. And anger, it's a negative emotion. We don't like the experience of it, but it tends to be very activating. It gets us to do stuff. It also is divisive. And that's where talking with the scientists and realizing that the solutions have to be communal and talking with the psychologists that we're more likely to act when we're in a group, we need to be careful about emotions that tend to drive us apart. So rather than anger, we want to try and figure out how to invoke hope and pride. It can be hard when you're thinking about the devastation of the whole world, but the scientific message is that there are solutions that there are things we can do together. And there's things that we can do individually. If we all individually made the commitment to the next time we have to replace something that we have that uses fossil fuels and replace it with an electric device. So the next car we get becomes an electric car. The next heater we replace in our house becomes a heat pump. All of those types of actions, if we all did that, we could meet our emission goals. Because Even when we have fossil fuel created electricity, the electrical appliances are so much more efficient that you really reduce your emissions. And then as the grid gets transitioned, which is happening towards more renewable sources, your contribution grows. So there are things you can do individually, but even more importantly, we create that community. We work to change our local area. All of these things are things we can do, and there is a positive message. So we want to combine the emotional evocation of the music with the scientific information that there are solutions that we can grapple with and hope that together we're going to be able to lead to actual action. Hearing you talk about this, and I'm involved and I still get sort of inspired when I hear you talk about it. If they want to get involved with the Tempo Project, what's the way that you think that someone listening, whether a musician or just someone who is interested in the topic, could get involved? So we are creating a series of dialogues where we have a musician and a scientist discuss topics like extinctions or hope or using music for social action. And those dialogues are being put up on our website. You can go to tempo-music.org or just go to the drlucyjonescenter.org website and get all of these. Listen to the dialogues. If you are musically inclined, think about what music you want to do that isn't raging against climate change, but rather bringing us together for action. And as we go forward, we are hoping to put on the Tempo Festival, where we will bring this music together, get it performed, get discussions with the scientists, and hopefully bring people together to create new solutions. There's always more solutions that we can develop when we work together. Absolutely. So for those who've been listening along with us since June 2020, you know that we produce these podcasts on a weekly basis. Going forward, we'll continue to produce the podcast, though not on a weekly basis. We encourage you to listen to past episodes if you haven't yet, revisit your favorites, and stay tuned for what's next with Getting Through It. So until then, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you, Getting Through It. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Our music is performed by Josh Lee, and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones. 